The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at jermccarthy 74 On this week's show, our special VIP guest is Munster Women's Rugby Senior Player and Irish International, Emer Considine, plus our resident rugby expert, Wendy Keenan, following the province's bonus point Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Championship win over Connacht. Emer previews this weekend's big showdown with Leinster, as well as talking to us about becoming a mother for the first time recently. We also review Munster Senior's win over Connacht and the Munster Under-18s loss to the same province. Big Red Bench AFLW expert Mike Curran is on the podcast to talk about all 33 Irish players ahead of the upcoming new AFLW season, which begins shortly. There is also a jam-packed review of the opening weekend of the 2023 Cork Ladies Football Club Championships, including results, scores, standout players and upcoming fixtures from across the senior, intermediate and junior grades. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. Now, ahead of Saturday's Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Showdown between Leinster and three in a row chasing Munster, the Big Red Bench previewed the province's final round-robin game with our rugby expert, Wendy Keenan. We were also delighted on this week's Big Red Bench to be joined by a very special guest, Irish Rugby International and returning Munster fullback Emer Considine. Emer spoke to us about being back playing in that famous number 15 jersey and how well she played against Connacht the previous week what it took to return from that long-term injury, becoming a mother for the first time, looking ahead to this weekend's Leinster Clash and many other topics in a wide-ranging interview. Finally, Wendy Keenan reviews Munster's big bonus point win over Connacht, previews another intriguing showdown with Leinster and also reviews the Munster Under-18's recent defeat to Connacht, as well as detailing a hugely successful Munster School of Excellence week in Bandon. Now, you're very welcome here to the rugby section of this week's Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast, where we are joined as ever by our resident rugby expert and uh, fast becoming an agent uh, to all the stars as well. And that's Wendy Keenan. Wendy, you're very welcome back. How are you? Hi, Jared. Delighted to be back on. Thank you. Good to hear from you. And obviously, we are delighted to be joined by a member of the Munster rugby team that won this past weekend in the Vodafone Interprovincial Championship in round two. A fantastic 46-7 win over Connacht and Mosgrave Park. And that is Emer Constantine. Emer, how are you? Hey Jared, great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. We know it's a busy time for you. First of all, congratulations on the very impressive victory over Connacht in Musgrave Park. Um, impressive insofar as Munster top of the Interpro table on 10 points with two bonus point victories. Guaranteed to play in the finals on September the 2nd, which is fantastic news thanks to two bonus points successes. And uh, off to play, just a small little matter of off to play Leinster in Dublin at the weekend. We're going to talk very briefly about that. But your return to the Munster setup, it was your first game back since 2019. Can you just outline why you've been away since 2019, first of all, and what it felt like to pull on that jersey again? Yeah, it, it um, the headlines make it seem like I haven't played rugby in four <laughs> years, but thankfully I have. Um, I think it was just the way that the Interpro schedules kind of worked out and kept changing. Um, COVID came in 2019 and then 2020, Obviously, sorry, in 2020 season was affected by that. Then 21, we were playing the World Cup qualifiers over in Italy in Parma. And then 22, I was pregnant. So I had a, I've had a, a longer time off from Munster than I would have anticipated. Um, but my last game for, my last game of rugby was a year and four months ago. So still was an, an, an awful lot of time out of the game as well at the same time. But it was, it was fantastic to be back in Mosgrave. Um, 
for a home game. You know, it would have been nice to play the first game. Um, but it was it was even lovely to come home and be at home in Moe's Great Park where I have such good memories. Um, had a lot of family there. And uh, yeah, I was nervous coming back. Like it was a long time not in the red jersey. I know I played rugby and I came back for 20 minutes or so with Bowes earlier on this season. Um, but, but getting a start... And then I was like, it's on TV. I was like, you know, you know, there's no hiding. You're going to be, people are going to be watching your first game back after after a long period out. Um, so I had a point to prove to myself and a point to prove to everyone else that, you know, it wasn't going to change the player that I was um, and that a lot of hard work was put into getting back there. Um, but it was great. It was, it was such a lovely game. You know, we were up for it knowing how well Connacht had done against Leinster. And I think that completely showed from the from the get go. We were against a really tough breeze, and I think it was just controlled and um, everything was upped. Um, Kazi, one of our coaches, had said in our team meetings that you know we need to up it by by fifty percent um, in the next game, and I think the squad went out and did that, and it was it was a really good team performance. It certainly was. I mean, running in eight tries is one thing, but against a Connacht team that had just beaten Leinster as well, as you said, this was a form team. It wasn't just any old Connacht team that were coming to Musgrave Park. So I suppose from your own point of view, getting over the nerves, how important was it with Neve Briggs and the current management team that's in place there now and, and the steps that have been taken to improve the Munster setup? How important is it that, you know, you, they've, you've obviously got their trust. They don't just put you in at fullback unless they know you can handle it. I mean, that must, be, must have been a boost to start the game. Yeah, it. Um, I suppose I know I haven't played in a while, but you know I've been training the last few while, and training has been really good. You know, we've Briggs and Hayes with us, um, along with Kazi and some of the academy coaches as well. So it's been great to have the standard of of training been so high with so many girls there pushing for positions. Um, so even though I obviously hadn't played in a while, you know we had, had training has been really good and really competitive. So they must have seen something there anyway to trust me to put me in full back. Um, straight off the back so uh, yeah it was it was great to have the trust of her as well and the trust of the girls around me and they really kind of got around me as well in celebrating the occasion which was lovely. Um, the, the thing about being in this monster panel I won't say returning to it you've outlined why you haven't been involved for tw- since 2019 it's a very different monster team now and that's from speaking to some of the players over the past three weeks a lot of characters in that dressing room and it's a young dressing room including yourself it's a young dressing room um, there's, there's like when you win back to back Vodafone in the provincial championships, there's a target on your back, like we've said to all the players, and you've probably you have to live with that target. But from speaking to you and from speaking to the Munster players already throughout the championship, you seem to be handling it as well as you would expect an interprovincial player to handle it and just get on with the job at hand. So it's a different dressing room than you probably are have been used to. How is the dynamic in that dressing room? How has pre- preparations clearly have been going very, very well? But what is it about the preparations this year with Munster? Because you seem to be handling that mantle of favourites very, very professionally. Yeah, I suppose I can't look at the last two seasons. I can only know that coming in this season, not having been there for the two, the two times that they've won, um, it's like they've they've opted they've opted and opted and opted. And I'm coming in at a really high level, a really high standard, really high standard of coaching, really high standard of playing. There's high standards as a squad because they are obviously going for three in a row. Um, so yeah, it is a very different position to be in from when I played with Munster before. You know, um, you really are the really Munster team do do really have a, a target on their back, like you said, um, because everyone wants to knock people off their pedestal. Um, but I think it's the standards of the last two years that have driven on, and they've. They've upped each year and they've upped a notch each week of training. And even from the Ulster game to the Connacht game, preparations have upped as a squad as well. So I think it's the it's the own standards. But like you said, there's I don't think I could be in that category of the young players, to be honest. 
but there is a lot of young players in there. But I think as well, you have the experience, young youth and experience at the same time. Like you have the likes of Mavo, Galeri and Dorothy Wall, um, even Derry, you know, they're still young, but they've massive experience playing for Ireland. They're obviously in a, in a um, centralised programme up in Dublin. But then you have like players that have played like in AIL and players that are coming up for the first time, getting their first caps, who just are slotting into the squad because they've kind of grown up with the rugby ball in their hands. As opposed to when I played rugby at the start, I was 23 coming into the squad. Like you see Beth Bottomer at the weekend, she's 18, turned, turned 18 on Friday. And or Thursday and got her first cap on Saturday, and like she just slotted in, almost scored a try, and like it's just the rugby ability of the younger girls coming through is just phenomenal because they have grown up with a ball in their hands and they they understand the game like no other. You're listening to Cork Street FM's Big Red Bench, and we are talking to Wendy Keenan and Munster interprovincial player Emer Considine. Wendy, can I just briefly put it to you? How good is it to see somebody of Emer Considine's ability back playing fullback for Munster, and what a boost for Neil Briggs heading into two very, very important games. I mean, it's just really important, I suppose, and there's a couple of aspects to it. I think the young players are driving, you know what I mean, what we would consider the older players in the squad and making them work for their positions. So, you know, it wasn't a case of Emer just coming back and saying, I'm back, I'm ready to play 15, I'm sure. At training, she was being pushed by those younger players to, you know, to to prove herself and prove, you know, her ability, which is what she needs, you know what I mean, I suppose, to drive herself on. I suppose the question I'd like to ask her, and uh, we haven't spoken about this, I'd love to know what your sister Ailish and what she said to you, you know what I mean? Her what her words of wisdom were before you went out. Um, you know, for those that don't know, she's an AFLW player. You know what I mean in Australia. So, had she words of wisdom for you, Emer, before the match? Yeah, he rang her on Saturday morning because I was looking for gear, couldn't <laughs> find any gear, <laughs> so I needed to ruin her gear bag that she left at home. Um, but she rang me, yeah, and she was just like she was going and and I suppose remembering remembering what I what I was, what I am, you know, what I'm, what I'm known for. And she, she said, stick to the the simple things and you'll, you'll play yourself into the game. And I suppose, you know, the bread and butter things, the fullback is just catching it, you know, getting out of your 22, doing the simple things. And I suppose that kind of got me into the game as well. And, you know, when you make that first tackle or you make that first catch, you're, you're settled automatically. So she just said, just do what you're, do what you're good at. I suppose it's good advice. Um, And she's got a very cool head. She wouldn't be, we'd be very different that way that um she would be very laid back. Um, and I'd be laid back as well, but I think I take things a little bit more seriously when it comes to an important game like that. I think what really came through at the game on Saturday, Ger, was the enjoyment factor mm. and the celebrations with each of the players, even not just scoring their tries, but the assists and the good tackles and driving the scrum back, that there's a real unity within the team and a real drive. And you could, it's really coming across, you know what I mean, to all the spectators uh, and us on the sideline. And that's a good thing because ahead of facing Leinster, which we're about to talk about, and potentially facing Leinster again in the final, that's the exact setup you need and inside the dressing room before you ever get out on the pitch. Um, just to let you know as well, Emer, every week on the Women in Sport podcast, we talk about Eilish, um on our AFLW segment with our uh, resident AFLW expert, Mike Coran. So it's great that uh, we'll be talking about a different Considine this week and I'll be sure to let him know to pass that message on to your sister in Australia. Um one thing I wanted to ask you as well, congratulations, because you became a mother at the turn of the year and the arrival of your young son, Kaylon. Um, stu- I'm not even going to ask the stupid question of how life has changed. Obviously, it has changed immeasurably. But coming back on the rugby pitch as a mother, I mean, is it a good thing, Emer, that you can just park that potentially for a small little bit and focus fully on being a monster player and go back to it again? And how have you found that? Has it, has it been any different to you now that you're a mother? 
yeah, do you know what? It gives you a different perspective in life. And before I was 100% rugby and there was it was number one in my life. It, it came before everything. Um, it made every decision in my life based around rugby. But now it's funny, rugby is kind of what I do in my free time. It's what I do after I'm finished playing with Kaylon or, you know, I'm still kind of worried with worried about him. Um, when I'm not when I'm not with him and when I'm gone training, it's it's mad. Like you you want to be you want a little bit of free time, but then you want to be there all the time. It's kind of a it's a hard it's a hard balance to get. But um I suppose I'm enjoying my rugby more this year because I don't think I'm taking it seriously because I have other important things in my life and I think it's coming out in that I think I'm not gonna take a game for granted either again because my last game my last game of rugby was playing for Ireland in the Six Nations against England and I got stretched off the pitch with an MCL injury and I suppose I didn't know at the time that was going to be my last game for Ireland I haven't played a game for Ireland since I don't know if I'll play a game for Ireland again and I think it's just um, enjoying the time that you're on the pitch and that's what I've kind of brought into the Munster squad is that I don't you know I missed a year and four months of rugby yes I obviously was pregnant but I, I missed rugby I missed the girls I missed the competitiveness my life completely changed when I was pregnant because I lost a part of my life in my friends and in my social, um, my social circle, and um, you know, not being able to go to trains, I I realised that all my friends play rugby, so my weekends were just like spent with no friends because they were all gone here, there, and everywhere playing AIL, and um, so it was it was a difficult time, and I kind of was like, look, when I go back again, I'll enjoy it more because I don't think I actually took it as um, I was taking it too seriously to enjoy it. So it has changed my perspective on rugby in that I just enjoy it. I enjoy every game. I enjoy every minute. And like Wendy spoke about how the enjoyment factor in the squad and like we did, we celebrated every win. We celebrated every knock on, every scrum that we won. You know, it was um, a massive team performance and you can see it. It's the hard work Mm. we've done over the last few weeks. It's been really hard, but it's been really enjoyable with a really great group of girls. Um. And I'm absolutely loving being back, even though life has completely changed and it's an absolute juggling act. And um, my husband Dean still plays football as well, so of course we train on the same nights. So we are um, thankful of our grannies because they are the chief babysitters, and without them we wouldn't be able to do it. Um, but it, uh, he was at the match on Saturday, and it was it was lovely to have him there in his monster kit that we got for him. So um, yeah, it's been it's been a change. But look, I'm not the first person to come back mm. playing sport after the baby, and I definitely won't be the last. And it was tough coming back. Um, there's probably, I suppose there's very little guidance out there in relation to cause every pregnancy, every person, every birth, every baby is different. So there's no, I wish there was a manual. And I'm sure you know yourself, Jerry, like you mm. can read all the books and the, once you have the child, it, it's a completely different. Um, so it's just, I suppose, figuring out what was right for me in my return to sport, figuring out, you know, could I push my body a little bit? I trained all the way through pregnancy. Thankfully, I was fit and healthy, so I was able to do that. Um, but I still lacked in a lot of strength, a lot of fitness work um, and it took time and it took patience and I'm probably still not where I want to be, but um, it's it's only six and a half months, so I'll get there eventually. Well, that's as, that's as, oh, sorry, go on, my dear. I was just going to say, it's, you know, it's testament to Emer's drive that Emer came back to finish the season with you, well, Bose, um, you know what I mean, but post uh you know giving birth that she had that drive within her to you know what I mean to to train hard to get back because a lot of people you know, I think would have said Ira I'll start next season but you, you know I know we had a phone call and you were gung-ho you were ready to play um which is you know it's it's fantastic and that's paying dividends to you now in the Munster jersey yeah I was glad I think I I had said my target on 
next season but then I went early with him and then I was like do you know what I actually think I'm okay and I had a chat with Ross and, and the lads down in Bowes and just looked at the timeline and we kind of worked backwards and said if you hit these markers you can make it so I think that's why I was so set on you know making that final because in my head I had a plan to get there and um and it was going well so I you know I said to myself I was hitting all the markers that I needed to hit and I wanted to get back in get back in this season unfortunately we didn't get the win but it was it was so lovely to make to make it back out there even for the 20 minutes or so that I got well I mean that's as honest and uh you know honest assessment of what it means to be a mother and still be playing at a top class level and that's a very good insight to it as well so thank you for being honest about that it was a really good a really good answer can I commend you as well on your son's attire I've seen pictures of him with a three-piece I think it was a little three-piece suit at one point as well and I kids are better dressed than any man including myself so fair play that home from um, I think she was in New York for Paddy's weekend and she brought him that home so that was his Christmas outfit three-piece suit and it hasn't come out since so don't worry it's what it, <laughs> at this stage excellent stuff right just to finish up because we need to let you go um, this weekend uh, in the 2023-24 Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Championship fixtures the final round of the round robin series Connacht Tech on Ulster at the sports grounds at 2.30pm on Saturday August 26th but the big one is in Energy Park at 4.45pm Leinster versus Munster so Emer Munster are already into the final you know that Leinster know that so how do you deal in the in the build up how does the mentality how does the mental side of this work because you don't want to go up there and go 50% or 70% I know you and I know Munster you're going to go 100% what would it mean to beat Leinster in Leinster ahead of facing potentially facing them again in the final and has that got to be the attitude that you take into this game 100% it's a it's a, a game that we are setting out to win Um for the mental battle alone to know that we've had that one up on them, you know, heading into a final, it's it's massive. It's and if and the same with the other way, if if they if they flip that result, you know, they'll think they'll have a mental a mental um win on us there. But we're going up to Leinster with everything to play for. We want to win this game. We're going um you know to set out. There's girls that are going to get their opportunities on Saturday that will be looking to start that final. So it's not um we're going up here and we're going up here. Sorry. It's not, we're going up here and we're just going to fulfil this fixture because we're always through to a final. There's girls that want to write the wrongs of the last two performances because, you know, some people aren't happy with that. There's girls that want to get their chance and then get that start in Jersey beyond that 23 that haven't already been there already. Um, so there's a lot to play for. And I suppose we're going for three in a row. So Munster have that on their, you know, that pride as well that we want to go up, especially up to up to Dublin and show the, the Leinster girls just exactly what we're capable and you know, Connacht, the same last weekend, you know, we knew Connacht would be on a high after beating Leinster, but we, you know, we said we'd stick to what we were good at and stick to our game plan and do exactly what we know we can do. And it worked out well. And again, we we rose at 50%. We'll have to raise it another percentage this weekend to get over a Leinster who have two games under their belt as well. Like us, have got better and got better. They did a completely different squad last weekend to the first weekend. So those girls, you know, essentially Tanya Rosser has two squads to pick from to figure out who's my starting 15. Um, so again, every single player on that, on that field is going to be is going to be putting their hand up for selection. Um, there's internationals that were on the bench. There's players that haven't been played yet. So this will be their game to prove it. So it's not going to be an easy game. Um, even though we're already through to the final, you know, we want to prove that we, we want, we want 100% record. I couldn't have put it better myself. Well, listen, um, Emer Kindstein, it's been a real pleasure 
for you to come on the Big Red Bench and speak to myself and Wendy this week ahead of that game on Saturday, the August 26th, the Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Championship fixture. Munster travelling to Energy Park to take on Leinster at 4.45pm kickoff. It's on television as well. We are delighted to see you back in a Munster jersey. Congratulations on the arrival of your new child. And thank you for taking the time to speak to us on the Big Red Bench. we let you go now because you have a busy week ahead of you. Thank you. Very much. Bye. Yeah, that was Emer Constantine talking to myself and Wendy. And what a fantastic... Um, rugby player uh, and mother already in the way she speaks so honestly and fervently about putting on that Munster jersey we wish her all the best now that she's back in the Munster jersey in that full back position before we leave uh, that particular Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Championship win Wendy it's important to point out that it was a 46-7 win for Munster a fantastic day again for Neil Briggs and the team and a really positive performance Yeah huge eight tries I mean against Connacht having beaten you know Leinster the weekend before um, it was a very clinical performance from Munster. Um, you know, in the first half, we had tries from Mavo, Gulleary, Dorothy Wall, um, Dervila, Nicovard and Kate Flannery. So that was the bonus point secured by half time. Like line speed was much better this week. Um, the clinical execution of the set pieces and just a much better performance than Connacht. Um, and we dominated possession throughout. The tries continued in the second half with Dervila scoring another, Alana McNerney, uh, Aoife Doyle and Freeridi crossing the line. But we have to mention, because we had Roisin on last week, Roisin Norman had a superb break from inside her own half. She was tackled just short of the try line and missed out by scoring a try only by a few metres. But, you know, they got the, tr- the try as a result of that break. But, you know, in result of her long COVID and that battle that she had to see her sprinting up the pitch um, on Saturday and the whole crowd cheering her on to make that line. Um, it was fabulous. I'm sure there was a lot, a lot of family there. Darlene Nicovard um, secured the man of the match performance. Um, she scored two tries and she just continued her performance mm. from the week before where she came off the bench. Um, we have to mention, Emer mentioned Beth Buttermer. She turned 18 on Friday and played her got her first senior cap on Saturday coming off the bench there. So um, we've talked about Beth before and her performances at under 18 and being involved in that Irish under 18 um, squad. So I'm sure a very, very bright future ahead. Um, yeah, so look, and I'm going to mention it before we move on. I know to the under 18s, we're guaranteed a place and we've spoken about the match next Saturday. But we need people to support this Munster team on the 2nd of September, 4.45 in Musgrave Park, just wearing something red. We know the other provinces will have a strong following, so we need more people at our matches. As ever, very well said, Wendy, and we will certainly push that across Red FM on the build-up to what's going to be an absolutely fantastic day for women's rugby in Musgrave Park on Saturday, September the 2nd, as you said, but the final between Munster and A, and although we're not too sure just yet, we'll know after this weekend at 4.45pm. Now, we move on to the under-18s, and unfortunately for Willie Schubert's side, Wendy, a, a, a decent performance, a really good performance, but they just came up short against a, a better Connacht team on the day. Yeah, I mean, they're a very young Munster team. They played Connacht in Musgrave Park as the curtain raiser, you know, which brought a little bit more pressure, you know, with all the senior players and a lot more people probably watching than they anticipated. Um, the final score was 13-5. Connacht scored the only try in the first half and they extended that in the second half and added a penalty to it. But Munster did score with the try from Killarney's Eva O'Malley, um, who I thought had a great game in that seven jersey. Um, I thought it... Um, it was a nervous start for that Munster team, you know, and many of whom were wearing, you know, the Munster jersey for the first time. Look, they'll grow in confidence, as I always say, from their performance, but especially in the second half. Um, and they now face Leinster away again as a garden raiser next Saturday. Yeah, unlucky, un- un- as we said, to lose 13-5, but I suppose, look, uh, 
again, we look at that that team that we that under eighteen team, and that's just that panel and the draw of players from so many different clubs: Dolphin, Ennis, Balnac, Lou, UL Bowes, Shannon, Cantork. That's the real thing here in terms of, as you rightly mentioned, they're a young team, Wendy, and like this is this these experiences. I know I'm a bit blue in the face. I'm saying it, but these experiences playing in Musgrave against really good quality opposition, this is what makes Munster better players as time goes on. Yeah, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old girls mm. getting to play for Munster. I mean, some of them have three years, you know what I mean, that they're going to be playing at this under-18 level. And, um, you know, I think I think they will grow. Um, I just thought they were very nervous, if I'm mm. being honest. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, in, into the second half where they, you know what I mean, um, really put it up to Connacht. And perhaps if they had started the game as they finished, it would have been a very different result. We have to talk about, Jared though, the story of the day. <laughs> Five daughters of former Munster players were playing on Saturday, four of which have come from yes. um, that under-18 team, one of the senior team. I know you've seen it on social media. Yes. I was around taking the photographs on the pitch and asking daddies to hop over, uh, <laughs> hop over onto the pitch to get those pictures. But I'm just going to mention them because I think it's a very special moment and it has been shared actually by um, some of, uh, at, at a national level because mm. of the pictures that were, were out. So we had Neve Crotty in the 15 jersey. She's daughter of Dominic Crotty, who also played in the same position for Munster. Elaine Buckley, who we all know as Nipper, and Tony Buckley's daughter Ella was playing in the front row. John Hayes and Fiona Steed's daughter Sally was playing in the second row. Rosemary Dillon, who we know as Rosemary Brown, her daughter Grace was playing at nine on Saturday. And then in the senior match, Peter Claus's daughter Jane was playing in the back row. So what a wonderful occasion to have, you know, those five girls being supported by their, you know, by their parents on the day. Yes, and lovely pictures, as you said, as well. So fair play for putting up because they, they went wild on, on, on social media and, and rightly so. And isn't it just great to see that the DNA from a previous generation is now present in the new generation? And uh, could you ask for any better father figures in, in the, um, with the, the names that you mentioned there? But these girls are forging their own careers and it's fantastic to see them. And as we said, disappointment for the under-18s, but a learning curve and they will get better from it. And it's an incredibly young team, as you said. But uh, having Willie Schubert in charge of them as well, they will only get better having somebody like him at the helm. We finished this and, week. And, and, oh, sorry, and Joe, we better mention that the, we had some mothers there who played for Munster at senior level, so not just the dads. Apologies, yes, uh, knuckles wrapped as always, no problem at all. And uh, even more important, I think that the younger girls that are watching these girls uh, coming through at 15, 16, 17 to represent your province at eighteen is not an easy thing to do. It's incredibly physical at that level as well. You know better than I do, and you've seen it up front. Um, but I, I just uh, again the spread of players from across the province, the people behind them, the mothers and the fathers who know. What it, what it takes to be successful at this level that can only help these players and I really hope they bounce back against Leinster I know they're going to put in a much better performance and as you said you can understand the nerves playing in Musgrave Park for the first time if you are that age group and there's a bit of attention on you and there's a big game coming down the line but um, plenty of talent in that panel to, to bounce back yeah, and I suppose we mentioned before the the importance of having our under sixteen squad training, that development squad training alongside the under eighteen squad. So they see those girls and they see those role models. Some of those were actually pulled up as we mentioned into the squad, um. So they know the girls out on the pitch, you know, and that that they see a pathway for themselves. And, you know, I keep going around banging on about those pathways, but they are really important. And look, we have to say thank you to the development staff that are, you know, I mean, running the show, running the, putting on these development programs, giving up their whole summers, you know, to coach these girls and, um, you know, in the evenings. So, look, I really hope that they have, uh, you know, uh, and they're very happy with their performance next week. Excellent stuff. We finished this week with news of a school of excellence that took place in Bandon. Yeah, so we spoke about this earlier on when we were telling people make sure to secure a place. It got booked out. 
We then had to find beds for more girls and, and true enough, they did. So 127 girls attended the residential uh, camp, um, which catered for girls between the ages of 13 and 17. So what, the, what happens is the players experience, I suppose, life as a professional player, learning the values of Munster, integrity and community, look, as well as developing their rugby skills, game understanding. There was position, uh, position specific workshops, workshops on nutrition, strength and conditioning. So I suppose they're getting an all round rugby experience, I suppose, in a, an enjoyable environment. And one of the most important things is that they're making new friends from around the province because it was packed to the hilt, there wasn't a spare bed to be found. And a good news story, that six of those under 16 girls have been called up into the development uh, programme from that camp because of their performance last week. So I think that's a good way to finish off um, this week's uh, uh, podcast in relation to Monster Girls Rugby. Yes, and th- there's your ringing endorsement of organising it and getting so many numbers in because you have the end product and girls can see that if they put in the effort when they're in this camp, look what might happen. Fantastic. And it's fantastic numbers again, as you said. You keep talking about pathways and rightly so. And this is part of the pathway. If you're willing to give up, if you've that many girls willing to give up that much of their summer to try and improve themselves as rugby players, the future is bright. Absolutely. We had Beth Bottomer, you know, attending that camp last year, you know what I mean, at the training. And look at her now, she's just got her, her first senior cap. She's played for Ireland, you know, so and, you know, we, we have a spectrum of players of all abilities mm-hmm. for the girls that just go along and they enjoy it and they improve as a player. And they now go back to their club with that experience, you know what I mean, that they have gained, you know what I mean, that extra set of skill set. And, you know, they get to play better rugby and maybe they're going from the bench into the starting 15. It was worth it, you know what I mean, those that hard work last week for them. So um, we wish all those players, you know, they're going back to their clubs now and they're training hard. We can see all the pitches going up and it's only a few weeks and that season will be kicking off. Here we go again, uh, as ever. Does it ever end, Wendy? I don't know. Listen, um, thanks very, very much for organising the Emer Constantine interview for us here on the Corkshire FM's Big Red Bench. We really appreciate it. And before we leave, a reminder, on Saturday, August 26th, Munster travelled to Energy Park for a 4.45pm start against Leinster in the final of their round robin Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Championship fixtures. But put it in your diary, Saturday, September the 2nd, at Musgrave Park, finals day in the Vodafone Interprovincial Championships at 4.45pm. The big one, Munster, will be taking on A and other we don't know, but we'll know after the weekend. Keep that in your diary and make sure you get behind Munster. But for now, uh, brilliant segment this week. Thanks very, very much, Wendy, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks a million, Jerry. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. The Big Red Bench's Mike Curran is back on this week's podcast to look ahead to a brand new season of AFLW footy involving a record-breaking 33 Irish players who are taking part down under this year. Fremantle Dockers and the Sydney Swans have the biggest Irish representation with four players each. The Dockers quartet are Anya Tighe, Orla Lally, Amy Mulholland and Joanne Craig. The Swans four, Jennifer Higgins, Paris McCarthy, Julia Sullivan and Tanya Kennedy. Geelong Cats have three Irish players, Rachel Kearns, Ashley Maloney and Anna Rose Kennedy. The North Melbourne Kangaroos also have three, Ailish Considine, Eric O'Shea and Niamh Martin. The Demons from Melbourne will field three Irish players in Sinead Goldrick, Blaheen Mackin and Amy Mackin. And the Gold Coast Suns also have three Irish players, Clara Fitzpatrick, Niamh McLaughlin and Cara McCrossan. Carton of two, Erone Fitzpatrick and Danya 
Bin. Collingwood Magpies will also play uh, two Irish players, Sarah Rowe and Ashling Sheridan. Hawthorne's Irish representatives are Aileen Gilroy and Anya McDonough. Brisbane Lions' two Irish players are Orla O'Dwyer and Jennifer Dunn. And the Adelaide Crows' Irish duo are Niamh Kelly and Yvonne Bonner. And then the Essendon, West Coast Eagles and St Kilda will each have one Irish player. For Essendon, it's Joanne Doonan. For the West Coast Eagles, it's Ashling McCarthy. And finally, St Kilda will field Grace Kelly, bringing the total of Irish players involved in this AFLW season to a whopping 33 players. It's going to be a really exciting uh, season and every week we will keep you up to date with reviews of all the games including how the Irish players got on and previews of what's to come the following week with our resident Big Red Bench AFLW expert and coach to all those Irish players and an agent and somebody that's been involved with them in helping uh, most of them settle over in Australia. That's Mike Coran. Here he is on this week's Big Red Bench. Now we are getting ever closer to the start of the brand new AFLW season down under with a record number of 33 Irish players taking part. It's getting closer and there's still, even though uh, no matches this weekend, there's a lot to get through. Uh, practice round review and some big headlines already coming out before a ball is kicked in competitive anger. Only one man to turn to here on Cork's Red FM's Big Red Bench and that's a resident AFLW expert, AFLW Ireland on social media and coach to every, pretty much uh, pretty much every player now. Every player that's going out there and if he's not, he knows them all very well and that's Mike Coran. Mike, how are you? Good, Jer. How's yourselves? Getting excited, like yourself, um, it's uh, it's about to get very, very busy and we're only two weeks away, except, uh, the first Friday in September is when it all kicks off, but before the new AFLW season gets underway, there are some interesting headlines coming out of Australia, not least some fantastic news about equal prize money, Mike. Yeah, this is a huge announcement, the AFLW season launch just took place a couple of days ago there and just ahead of that, uh, the new head of the AFL, Andrew Dillon, announced that there will be equal prize money for AFL and AFLW players for the first time ever in season 23. Now, this is absolutely massive. Uh, in terms of the numbers, it's phenomenal. Like There's $1.1 million in prize money for the men's competition and also for the women's competition. Uh, in the men's side, it's split between the top four teams. In the women's side this year, it'll be, it will be split between the top eight teams. So huge incentives for players or, and clubs to get into those uh, top eight or finals positions uh, as we know them. Um, so yeah, that that is a massive step forward, and as I say, uh, gives a, an, another incentive to everybody involved. Um, and it's also interesting, of course, in terms of the fact that the women's season is significantly shorter as of yet. Some point down the line, it'll be the same uh, same length as the men's season, but for now, they're getting equal prize money for a slightly shorter season. So that's absolutely fantastic to see. Yes, and it's something I think you had mentioned at the end of last season that might be on on the cards and. Um I suppose just the standing that AFLW for people who don't realise in Australia, its popularity skyrocketed last year, Mike, and you you would be expecting with the increased number of franchises now and probably more franchises to come that that's going to keep going. Oh, definitely, Jerry. I think at the press conference before the launch that I just mentioned there, the, the head of AFLW, Nicole Livingston, highlighted that there's 600,000 girls, young girls playing AFL in Australia now. So that is absolutely staggering thousands of times higher than what it was when AFLW started in 2017. So huge interest, great excitement for the future, huge talent through um, from younger age. Um, so that's also exciting for the competition in terms of standards uh, continuing to increase. And we've seen that year on year and season on season uh, anyway. But um, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant news. 
It certainly is. And following on from that, there's even more good news because they're uh, off the back of that announcement about the prize money, the relaunch of the McClellan Trophy. Why is this significant, Mike? And what standing does the McClellan Trophy have when it comes to Australian sport? Yes, yeah, so the good news didn't even stop there. This is kind of a, still associated with prize money, but I suppose a quick bit of background. The McClellan Trophy was was an award that would have previously been presented to the men's club that finished top of the ladder in the home away season. And um, that is now being relaunched in 2023. Uh, and th- this time it will be awarded to the best overall club across both the men's and women's competitions. And there will be a further million dollars prize money for this to wow. go to the club to be shared equally between the male and female players again. So this is absolutely huge. And what it does here is, um, I suppose, it, it increases the crossover appeal between the men's and the women's supporters and seasons because obviously um, the men's season is at round 23 at the moment and starting to head into finals. The women's season is only starting in a, a week and a bit's time. So it will it will kind of continue the interest from mm-hmm. one competition to the other because the performance of the clubs in the women's competition will will be will obviously determine who wins this prize. So if if you think of the the clubs that are probably in contention for this, if we look at the men's table as it sits at the minute, you're looking at the likes of Melbourne Demons, Collingwood, Brisbane Lions, um, all these massive teams, uh, potentially the contenders for this prize. So yeah even more news in terms of, of prize money and and uh but again it, it adds an extra layer of interest i suppose and as i say probably more appeal across fans of both codes to continue watching the the women's season from start to finish and you mentioned there like the start and the dovetailing of the ending of the men's season going into the final section of it and the starting of the women's season that's not by chance i mean this is basically i would imagine right now with the number of clubs that are in the women's game is organised in such a way to maximise the potential and exposure that there will be such interest in the men's end of season, uh, you know, the, the finals and the grand final itself, that the women's game will pick up from that and hopefully pick up a few, shall we say, supporters who might not necessarily be all in on AFLW just yet. But when they get to see the product and get to see how good it is, they'll continue their affiliation with their maybe even the men's club and transfer it to the women's. Absolutely. And I think you'll find, especially with the Aussie Rules supporters, down in Melbourne and all the various cities, they are diehard. They are buying into the women's program a lot. Uh, they're supporters of the club in general, through and through. And because the product is getting better year on year, uh, the game is better. The, the competitive standards are better. Um, it's making it a lot easier for these footy, these diehard footy fans to to stay involved. But yeah, even if you look at round one um, coming up has been fixed for the bye weekend in the men's competition. Mm. So that's been given free air, as we, we might have mentioned before, to give that a, a brilliant launch pad. And I suppose there'll be four weeks then of men's finals and footy fever all across Australia, as you've kind of got men's finals in the first two or three rounds of the, the women's competitions taking place. There is a crossover across the seasons, which has become inevitable now due to the expansion of AFLW. And... As I mentioned, every week we're getting closer and closer year by year to a time where the men's and women's competitions will probably run simultaneously and we'll likely see 
double headers and how fantastic would that be? It would be brilliant because it's something that is not done enough on this side of the pond, as you well know, when it comes to Camogie and ladies football. There's definitely a benefit to doing that with the men's game. And we're on the precipice here as well, as you well know, Mike, of the three associations talking about amalgamating and what that might mean. But definitely when it comes to Aussie rules, if you had a women's and a men's doubleheader with some of the top teams involved, you're going to swell the crowd, increase the increase the. Uh, the momentum of both of both sports and certainly uh, the TV rights definitely and the money that's going to come into the game because of that now over the next couple of years is going to be very very interesting you're listening to Cork Street FM's Big Red Bench uh, we're talking to our resident AFLW expert and coach and stars Mike Coran we are only two weeks out from the start of the brand new season where 33 Irish players will be taking part but before that this past week we've seen this past weekend we've seen some practice round games and we begin Mike at the Brighton Homes Arena with last season's grand finalist Brisbane putting a score up on Gold Coast. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was practice round wrap as the as the build up to round one continues. And as they did in the match sim games last week, Brisbane made a big statement here again against their Queensland neighbours, Gold Coast Suns, seven eight fifty to two behinds. So a massive win for the Lions there. Um Orlo Dwyer was on the scoreboard for the Lions and is looking brilliant already but the Lions are already proving the depth of talent they have across their squad in this one as well it was it was of note to see Neve McLaughlin playing very well for Gold Coast and she was able to pick out uh, multiple targets going forward with the ball so already showing um, excellent skills after just a few weeks in Australia and in Queensland so we'll expect a lot from her as the season goes on. We certainly will and that's just one of many games that was played last weekend in that practice round but one other franchise that's of particular interest on this side of the water are the North Melbourne Kangaroos because this year Ailish Considine whose sister Emer Considine you heard earlier in the show the Munster rugby player returning uh, Irish international player who spoke glowingly about her sister and having to ring her up to ask her where all her gear was but she along with Eric O'Shea and Neve Martin will line out for the North Melbourne Kangaroos this year. They got their pre-season continued in a positive light at Arden Street when they defeated the Western Bulldogs did it? Uh, would you believe when Ailish headed off to us a couple of weeks ago? I think she had an IR or a few big suitcases with her. So, I, <laughs> so that's I where it's gone. People, <laughs> yeah, I had a couple of people messaging through going, Did she rob all of Emer's gear? But she definitely, she, I just said she borrowed it. But yeah, look at the, the Constance to the fore, as always. Um, absolutely brilliant sporting sisters there. But yeah, huge interest in this one. Huge interest in North Melbourne this season. They made a big statement as well. Significant from them ahead of round one. A 77 points to 14 win over Western Bulldogs. They dominated this one from start to finish. There's a few new features for North Melbourne this season, along with our three Irish players. That is, they have a very tall full forward line. So they've they've three key tall forwards. Uh, probably something that they lacked a bit in come finals last season. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. But the standout on this one from an Irish point of view was Eric O'Shea um, coming in and being singled out for praise by head coach Darren Crocker. Um, who said it was her best game to date since she moved to Australia last year. So um, this is something we see as well, of course, year on year, that when players get into their second season and get a bit more familiar, that they start to excel even more. So uh, we knew Erica hit the ground running when she landed in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago. We mentioned she was joined first in the the yo-yo fitness running test. So um, no bother to her, absolutely flying it. And looking forward to seeing uh, Erica and Neve Martin and Eilish indeed um, shine for the kangaroos. Yes, indeed. As we said, quite a lot of uh, Irish players spread across all the franchises this year and none more so in another pre-season game that involved the Fremantle Dockers and the Collingwood Magpies. A lot of interest this year, Mike, simply because there's four players with the Dockers and two players we know very well as well with the Magpies. Yeah, and all six of them were on show on this one. So this had a massive um, Irish um, 
featuring. So, and it was a really close game as well, mm. as it turned out. Uh, Fremantle 4 7 31 to Collingwood 4 6 30. So it couldn't have been closer. Just a one point win for the Dockers. Um, the four Irish players, Joanne Craig, uh, actually scored a goal in this one. Anya Tai was fantastic again. Uh, the game also featured Ola Lally and Amy Mulholland for Fremantle. Uh, four Irish players running out in purple this year. And of course, there's a new coach at Fremantle as well, Lisa Webb. So um, there's a lot of momentum uh, building up there, which is good to see after a bit of a stuttering season for them last year. And then similarly for um, Collingwood, you know, Ashling Sheridan flying it at the moment, Sarah Rowe, and they look to be very strong this year as well. Despite losing a couple of players to the, ex- uh, to the expansion teams in the priority signing period, they've got two massive players back. So they've got their captain, Bree Davey, back, uh, who's a multiple All-Australian after an ACL, and also Ripponichi, who did an ACL last year. So they've two massive players coming back in, and they'll definitely be uh, there or thereabouts at the business end of the season. Yes, I would imagine so, and it's good to see that they're going so well in pre-season, as you've mentioned there. Another team going well in pre-season are the Sydney Swans, and there's going to be huge interest on this side of the water, Mike, with Jennifer Higgins, Paris McCarthy, Julia Sullivan, and Tanya Kennedy, that quartet. They continue their excellent pre-season at the expense of Carlton at the SCG. Yeah, so brilliant game at a brilliant venue. from them pre-season uh, that you might think that that's significant but remember Sydney didn't win any game of any sort last year so they'll be delighted with that to be heading into the season proper on the back of two wins in the match team and the practice rounds you mentioned the four Irish ones there Tanya Kennedy probably looked best of the Irish on show uh, in a defensive role so it's good to see her hitting the ground running but on Carlton's side it was actually Aaron Fitzpatrick was the standout player and already looks super confident with the ball and making repeated runs with the footy. So she was recruited for her explosive speed and that is definitely going to be a big asset for the Blues this, this season and she's going to be exciting to watch. She certainly is and great to hear that she's hitting the ground running like you said there, a player to watch out and a name to watch out for, one name we haven't mentioned before and looking forward to seeing how she goes this coming season. Finally we're going to look just at one more game because it involved or it's two, two teams, the Adelaide Crows and Geelong Cats that involved five Irish players for the coming season and the Adelaide Oval saw a close game between two sides that might feature at finals time. Yeah, I would think both Crows and Geelong Cats are, would be hopeful of making the finals this year so this was a very entertaining game. Adelaide 8-8-56 Geelong 78-50, not a lot in that at all. On the Crows side, Yvonne Bonner again showed that she's going to be an important addition for the Crows this season up front. Um, but again, it was a first-year player who stood out on the Cats side, Ashling Maloney. No surprise there. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. You know, only over there a few weeks, looking like she's been playing the game for years. And she's just utilising, I suppose, her natural forward instinct and ability to great effect. And she is going to be massive for Geelong. So already after the way the, the practice rounds have gone, um, she's going to become a key part of their tactics in, ter- in terms of getting the ball up to her. And I expect to see lots of goals from, from Ashley Maloney. So that's that's an exciting one for Cats fans to look forward to. And of course, Ashley won three Irish players for Geelong this season. Yes, and that's a really good summation of the practice round. And my God, wait till we get to the real thing. We could have so much more to talk about, but it's just, it's, it's positive to hear so many Irish names, but it's also, I would imagine, from your point of view, the coaching point of view, seeing and hearing the names doing well at this time of the year is important to hit the ground running when you do start the league uh, on the first weekend of September. Yeah, absolutely. Look, again, we say it repeatedly, and in, in terms of from the talented Ian helping it and the players over there, every player we get to Australia, we want to succeed and, and do well. So it's it's not about just getting recruited. That's the easy bit, even mm-hmm. though it's not the easy bit, but... 
uh, when they get over there, they have to do the work. And without fail, all the Irish players are excelling. Uh, but again, it's exciting to see, you know, first-year players that are only there literally a couple of weeks um, having an instant impact straight away. Just remember, we've yet to see the likes of Jennifer Dunn, who's only landed in Brisbane a, a few weeks ago. I think she had her first training session yesterday, a few days ago, sorry, after Dublin's All-Ireland celebrations. We've yet to see Amy Mackin, knowing how Melbourne Demons normally operate, it'll probably be a few rounds into the competition before Amy Mackin is given her chance. But, you know, all these new players making an instant impact already and some of these new players still to, to see their first competitive action across the season makes for some very exciting viewing ahead. Oh, you're teeing it up really nicely and we're only a week away. Before we finish up, Mike, more good news because on this side of the world as well, TG Carr have made another positive announcement when it comes to the coverage of the AFLW season. Absolutely. Uh, I suppose it's fantastic to see, as always, at TG Carr and Sport TG Carr have confirmed that they will again feature AFLW starting um, on the weekend of the 1st of September, straight into it from round one. My understanding is that there will be two full deferred games every weekend across the season uh, at minimum. So uh, I'd expect there to be a full game on Saturday, a full game on Sunday. Um, and this is brilliant. You know, always hugely popular with the, the fans, friends and family, everyone here at home. And uh, I suppose bringing the AFLW game to the masses across the, the last number of years and, and partly the reason why it is so popular here at home as well. So amazing yeah, to see um, TG Carr's continued uh, support of women's sport in general and of AFLW. And we will be with you right through the way through this AFLW season. We spent what seemed like, and it's not that long eternity talking about it, and it's finally here. The brand new AFLW season, a record-breaking season for Irish players. 33 names to talk about as we kick off next week. Can't wait to get stuck into it. And uh, we've previewed it as best as we possibly could there, as ever, with our resident expert and the man that's going to be with us throughout the year and throughout the season, right up to the grand final. And that's Mike Cran. Mike, it's been brilliant. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about actual footy. Can't wait and uh, when we do talk about it uh, you'll be right here with us on the Big Red Bench Bring it on Jerry. looking forward to a big season ahead <laughs> Bring it on Thanks a minute Mike Thank you The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm now, a new season of Cork LGFA Championships got underway with Air Og defeating Inch Rovers 313-03 in the Senior Championship Group 1 last weekend. Emer Scally top scored for the winners with 1-5 with Saif McGoldrick and Orla Kremen each adding 1-1. Marie O'Leary kicked three points and Shauna Cronin, Emma Cleary and Laura Cleary uh, completed the Ovens Club's total in an impressive start for last year's County Championship runners-up. Clannacilty's opening Cork LGFA Senior Football Championship Group 1 fixture ended in defeat to St Val's in Ahamilla last Sunday. Up one three to four points at the break, St Val's converted a second half penalty on route to an eventual 2-12 to not 5 triumph. Laura Buttimer scored 1-1 for the winners including a converted penalty. Kira McCarthy got five points of which three were frees. Nicola Dennehy got two points, Amy Shepherd three points, Ellen Coakley a goal and Leah McMahon also got her name on the score sheet. Now despite the loss... Clannacilty, Schaefer, Patwell got two points. Myra Barrett, Ashley Maloney and Cato Donovan were also on target for the hosts. Um, and just on that in uh, Senior Championship Group 1, Kinsale are the other team that we didn't mention there. They begin their Senior Championship campaign away to Aeroge, um on September the 3rd. And that's the same day that St. Val's will enter 
10-inch Rovers. Now, West Cork LGFA club Castlehaven made history by claiming their first ever Cork LGFA Senior Championship victory on the opening weekend of the 2023 County Championships. Neva Sullivan had the distinction of scoring the West Cork club's first ever championship point and Alice O'Driscoll raised the first green flag as the Haven joined the county's senior ranks. Much more importantly, however, Dini Callan's side overpowered Bride Rovers 214 to 2 points and got their senior Group 2 campaign off to the best possible start. Leading 1-6-2 points at the break in Monty Vallelan, Castlehaven took advantage of a strong wind and eased to victory. Neva Sullivan finished with 1-2 and Alice O'Driscoll got 1-1. Moreto O'Driscoll kicked 4 points, Granio Sullivan 3, Hannah Sheehy 2, with Lisa O'Mahony and Ellen Connolly also amongst the winner's scorers. Now Castlehaven are not in action again until September the 10th, but that's the day they'll travel to the current county champions, Mourne Abbey, and what a cracking encounter that should be. Speaking of Mourne Abbey, they saw off at a 4-9 to 3-9 last weekend, with Cork Seniors Laura Fitzgerald kicking 1-4, Darren O'Sullivan getting 1-2, and Lisa Walsh got 1-1 um, as part of Mourne Abbey's scores. Ada and Ferniston battled bravely, but they never recovered from a disappointing start where they fell two goals to two points behind after only 10 minutes. Emma Farmer top scored for the winners with 1-5, including a converted penalty. Hannah Looney back from her uh, Camogie exploits with the All-Ireland Cork winning team got 1-1, as did Claire Walsh and Yvonne Burgoyne and Caitlin Smith each kicked a point. And on the day as well, Sally McAllister, Bridget Wall and Amelia Cooper starred for an ad aside that uh, finished up on the losing end. Now the next round of the Cork LGFA Senior Football Championship Group 1 fixtures take place on September the 3rd and that's when Moran Abbey will travel to Bride Rovers and Ada will host last year's Senior B Champions for Moy. The 2023 Cork LGFA Intermediate County Championship gets underway this weekend with Neva Vaughan and Ross Carby Ladies Group 1 encounter in Balavorny, the pick of the ties. Last year's Cork Junior A champions and All-Ireland finalists Neva Vaughan are on a mission to reach the senior grade and will start that one as slight favourites. Yet, Ross Carberry have been going well so far this year and they pushed senior club Castlehaven all the way before coming up short in a recent West Cork Division 1 final. Should be a cracking encounter on Saturday with Group 1's third team, Ara Glenn Desmond Bui, waiting in the wings. Valley Rovers begin life as an intermediate club away to Glanmire on Sunday. The British side is hoping to bounce back from last year's relegation from the top tier. Now it's a young Rovers panel this year when they face a tough task in a group that also contains Avandala, Dunamore and Glanmire. It is really the toughest possible start for Valleys against the Glanmire side that has now contested the last three intermediate county deciders. Avandala and Dunamore um, meet in Group 2 on Saturday evening. Now there's huge West Cork interest in this year's Cork AGFA Junior A Football Championship and that's because three of the region's clubs, Bantry Blues, O'Donovan Rossa and Donnies are involved alongside Douglas and Middleton. O'Donovan Rossa kick-started their Junior A campaign with a terrific 3-12-6 points win away to Middleton last weekend. Now it took a full team effort to help the Skibbereen club get off the mark with Cork minor Ava O'Donovan converting a penalty and finishing with 1-4. Kate O'Donovan scored 1-2, Cork senior Laura Manny got 1-1, Fanola Driscoll kicked 2 points and Sarah Hurley, Trina Murphy and Kate O'Connell each got a point and, uh, and were amongst some of the best O'Donovan pl- Rossa players on the day. In the same championship, fellow West Cork club Bantry Blues conceded a late goal and lost 2-13 to 3-8 at home to Douglas. Wolfton Park and Bantry played host to a cracking junior A encounter in which the Blues utilised a strong win to build a commanding 3-6 to 6 points interval lead. Zara Barry and Sarah, Sarah Bishop found the net prior to Ashling Stock converting a penalty as the Blues looked to be in complete control. 
admirably. Douglas redoubled their efforts immediately after the break and came out all guns blazing, scoring 1-1 inside the first two minutes. It was 3-8-1-13 in Bantry's favour still, with less than two minutes remaining, and after Ashling Stock had scored a point from her second penalty of the afternoon. Douglas kept pressing, however, and were rewarded for their efforts with a match-winning goal. Disappointed at the final whistle, Bantry were a match for their opponents throughout the afternoon and had Sarah Bishop 1-4, Ashling Stock 1-1, Sarah Barry a goal, Eve Murphy, Jessica Gleeson and Megan McSweeney a point each on target on the day of the match. Uh, Bantry have little time to wallow in that defeat ahead of an eagerly anticipated county championship local derby with O'Donovan Rossa in Skibbereen this weekend. What a game that will be. And on the same afternoon next Sunday, another West Cork club, Donnie's, begin their 23 campaign with the toughest possible assignment away to a Douglas team now gunning for their second consecutive championship win. There was plenty of action in the lower junior grades of the Cork LGFA County Championships last weekend. In Group 2 of the County Junior B, Carrigaline overcame Watergrass Hill 3-10 to 1-5 and Rock Bond registered a comprehensive 6-15 to 1-11 defeat of Drum Tariff. Mallow proved too strong for West Cork side St. Cullum's and registered a 7-6 to 2-8 victory in the opening round of the Junior C County Championship. The Kalekill Club will hope to rebound this coming weekend where Bera are the visits to Kalekill for what should be a terrific matchup. Elsewhere in the Junior C County Championship, Ballinora were too strong for St. Michael's and Aaron's own edged St. Peter's 2-15 to 3-9. St. Michael's host Aaron's own this weekend in both sides' second championship outing. Winter Gabriels lost their junior D County opener 114 to 14 away to a strong St. Finbar's lineup, and the West Cork side will hope for a better result when Ballon Hasek visit Ballady Hub next Monday evening. In the same competition, Liskool and McCroom played out an entertaining 111 2 8 draw. Next up for McCroom is the visit of the early championship leaders, the Bars. That's all in terms of a roundup from this past weekend's opening championship games across numerous grades senior, intermediate and junior. You can find all the information, upcoming fixtures and tables on CorkLadiesFootball.com and of course, keep an eye always on the Cork LGFA social media account. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you can also listen online at redextra.ie don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and guests between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm, Cork's Red FM.